This is Plant-Based Briefing, The Human Rights Issues Behind Fashion's Animal Supply Chains, Part 2, by Emma Hawkinson at goodonyou.eco. And I'm Marian Erickson, host of this curated content plant-based podcast, where I narrate articles on plant-based and vegan living with permission in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article was longer than that, so it's a two-parter. I read part one yesterday, so go back and listen to that first, and then come back here for part two. And now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. The Human Rights Issues Behind Fashion's Animal Supply Chains, Part 2 by Emma Hawkinson at goodonyou.eco. Not so luxurious cashmere. Meanwhile, herders working in the cashmere industry can face a different kind of struggle. Cashmere has become increasingly cheap over the years, and this has come at the expense of goats, the people herding them, and their land. Herders in major cashmere production country Mongolia are often underpaid and overworked by those they supply. The growing cashmere industry has also contributed heavily to the destruction of native Mongolian grasslands, with the nomadic herders recognizing that their work contributes to this devastation, but that they have little choice due to the high demand for the fiber in fashion. One nomadic herder, Bish, was documented saying, Yes, I know my goats are harmful to our grassland, and the more we have, the worse our land becomes, I get that. But this is how we earn money. All I can do is watch my grasslands disappear. Community-driven activism in fashion Don't despair, though. Reports suggest that 65% of these grasslands can be recovered with sustainable action. And while this issue is complex, it seems that a form of community-driven, supported transition away from cashmere could benefit people like Bish. It's crucial to know our fashion activism can extend beyond shopping ethically and into supporting and getting involved with grassroots work to support communities around the world. Silk Industry Workers While considered a luxurious material, there are often human rights violations behind silk, a material produced from the cocoons of caterpillars usually boiled alive. Across the largest silk-producing countries of China, India, and Uzbekistan, forms of forced labor are documented as serious problems. A report from Kashmir, India, found that most silkworm rearers suffered from injuries including back pain, allergies, respiratory problems, eye irritation, and headaches due to their work. Other silk workers who work with boiling water to unravel cocoons are commonly burned and even experience secondary infections like dermatitis. Work is often performed in the sericulture, silk production industry, in small, poorly ventilated spaces without proper health and safety equipment, further contributing to such problems. Child labor is still common in the industry. In India, reports looked into bonded child labor and its prevalence in the industry. In one piece of Hindu coverage, a 12-year-old silk weaver named Mebub states that he has learnt nothing else in his life other than how to perform his work. Of course, children do not begin working in any industry unless other issues are at play. In the same report, an adult states that all child weavers come from poor families. If they do not work, who will feed them? India's caste system, which places a hierarchy on human lives, commonly plays into the silk industry's child labor problems, with low-caste children at a higher risk of being forced into work. In Uzbekistan, children as young as five years old have been reported to work from 4 a.m. until midnight, picking the mulberry leaves to feed silkworms. At the same time, other forms of forced and illegal labor take place— The government in Uzbekistan controls the silk industry, and officials reportedly often threaten silk farmers with loss of land, violence, and prosecution if production targets are not met. Innovative silk alternatives step up to the plate. 
There are more and more alternatives to silk being used by designers today, and many of these are far less tied up in complicated and murky animal supply chains like these, and they're free from harm to silkworms. Tannery Workers People working in the tanneries that chemically transform sheep, cattle, and other animal skins into leather are often people of color from countries including China and India. Because of the steep environmental impacts of leather tanning, these workers battle something known as environmental racism, with 95% of U.S. tanneries now operating overseas where they pollute communities and the surrounding environment. Among these dangerous and polluted conditions in tanneries, sometimes children are made to work, as in the silk industry. Living and working with cancer-causing chemicals. Tannery workers primarily deal with carcinogenic chemicals like formaldehyde, arsenic, and chromium, with which 90% of leather is tanned. Carcinogens cause cancer, so tannery workers suffer cancer at high rates due to their exposure to these chemicals. In fact, communal areas around places like tanneries in the top tanning country, China, have been referred to as cancer villages. Workers and their communities face serious health hazards due to chemical pollution that runs through waterways used for drinking and bathing by both humans and other species. The Toxic Price of Leather, a short documentary film linked here, released by the Pulitzer Center, looks more deeply into some of these issues. Small Positive Steps On a small scale, the use of chemicals causing harm to these communities is changing and being questioned, which is positive. Luckily, there are also alternatives to leather that avoid the problem altogether. What we can do as conscious consumers. Recognizing the human rights issues in animal-derived fashion supply chains means recognizing that injustices are often intertwined. People who work for so little pay in industries built upon the exploitation and slaughter of animals are exploited in turn. This is not a coincidence, but an inevitable reality of a fashion industry that typically accepts any form of oppression as part of the production of clothing. For the same reason, the injustices facing garment workers are rooted in both racism and patriarchy. It is essential that we consider this information, what oppression really means, and how it manifests within the fashion industry, so that we can decide what we want to support when we buy clothing and what we would rather avoid. Not only can we empower ourselves with information that guides our choices around what we choose to wear or not wear, but we can use our voice to make change. We can ask brands about who made their clothes and what they're made of. We can ask brands for greater transparency about what this means, who it impacts, and how. We can educate ourselves and spread information about animal supply chains in fashion, growing the community of people who can make positive change in this area. We can opt for materials made outside of animal supply chains, from plants, recycled materials, and other innovative sources. And we can share our opinions with brands about the more ethical practices and materials we would rather see and wear, too. A great way to do this is through the Your Voice function of the Good On You app, which you can find at the bottom of each brand page. Our voices as citizens who get dressed are powerful because fashion brands need us more than we need them. We can use education as a tool to create a total ethics fashion system. Are you with us? You just listened to The Human Rights Issues Behind Fashion's Animal Supply Chains, Part 2, by Emma Hawkinson at goodonyou.eco. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. I've done a number of other episodes from Good On You and others about materials. You can go to plantbasedbriefing.com, episodes, and then in the search field, type in silk, wool, leather, cashmere, down, and those relevant episodes will come up. So please share this episode with anyone who might benefit and thanks for listening.